Let's bow together. Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you again for the privilege we have to be together, to be in your word. That you, uh, And we pray that you might work in us that which is pleasing, that we would respond, that you'd use it greatly, so that you would be greatly magnified. We thank you for this morning. We commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are very close to another year. Uh, it is uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, the Lord created uh, this uh, universe. He gave us uh, the sun and the, the moon and for timing and days and seasons, and we are moving through those seasons, and we are awaiting his coming. We are looking forward to the day, maybe today where the Lord Jesus comes for us and takes us home. But while we are here on this earth, we walk and live in the midst of a sinful world to which we once were part of. We uh, all, through our own actions, affirmed the sin of Adam. Uh, we uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as we walk in this world, God is gracious to save us through his son Jesus, save those who will believe. And when you're saved, you become a new creation in Christ. And being a new creation in Christ, we are now in a sinful, dark world. Being uh, his light in this world. We are a light in this world. We are the light of the world. And yet we walk in our everyday walk and our paths we take, take us through a dark, dark, evil world. And yet God is gracious to share for us in his word how we are to maneuver this temporal life uh, unto eternal life. How would it maneuver through a world full of wickedness, full of evil, full of unredeemed people who hate God and hate one another and hate us? And we have in his word uh, the solution to how we can walk in this life before we see him face to face. I wanted to share a passage before we get back to our Colossians series a passage that would help us focus on our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and what the basic reality of what we should be doing every day in this temporal world should look like. So would you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be looking at this wonderful chapter. We're going to get through the first uh, 8 to 10 verses, probably pretty closely looking at them, and then we're going to speed through the rest. So even though we're looking at the whole chapter, the end is not going to, we're not going to really focus on the end. We'll just look at it and we can come to that some other time. As you're turning to Proverbs chapter 3, um, it's clear that Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs, the writer is Solomon. Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, Proverbs 25, verse 1, these also are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, transcribed. Now we have in chapter 30 uh, and chapter 31, those written by Agar and Kim Lemuel, some have attributed Lemuel to actually being Solomon. We don't know, but what we do know is that all scripture is inspired by God, and we know that Solomon wrote the majority and arranged these Proverbs. We know in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. That's Solomon. 
Then in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9, in addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered and searched out and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. Solomon arranged these proverbs inspired by the Spirit. Now briefly, who was Solomon? Uh, he was David's son from Bathsheba. Uh, the, David's adultery with Bathsheba. We know when he was born, 2 Samuel twelve twenty four. the Lord loved him. The Lord loved him, it says. He was also the king of Israel after David, but yet what most is prominent about him is that when he became king, he recognized he was just a youth and he was inexperienced and, and not knowledgeable. And he prayed to God, not for long life and for, for, for the life of his enemies or for riches, but he prayed for understanding that he might be able to judge and discern between good and evil. And the Lord was pleased. The Lord was pleased. You can turn there if you like, but I'll read it for you. First Kings chapter three, and I've got I got a ton of scriptures today, so we're going to be going through a lot. Feel free just to listen, or you might be trying to turn and listen at the same time. First Kings chapter three, verse eleven. And God said to him, "Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, you've not asked not asked for riches for yourself, and you have not asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice." Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there is no one has been no one like you before and no one like you shall rise after you. He's the wisest man who ever walked the face of the earth because God gave him that wisdom. Now we know in this context that Solomon uh, was given great wisdom. Chapter 4, 1 Kings 29. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and a very great discernment in the breadth of his mind, like the sand of the, that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he is, was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite. He must have been pretty wise, I guess he gets named here. Uh, Heman, Kakal, Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was known on all surrounding nations. He also spoke, this is 1 Kings 4, 32, 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were a hundred, were a thousand and five. And he spoke of the trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke of also of the animals and birds, creeping things and fish. And men came from all the peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard. Solomon was a wise guy. He was smart, right? But the Lord did it. The Lord did it. The Lord gave him his wisdom. And the Proverbs that we see were words of truth that Solomon brought forth. It was from God. We know that uh, no scriptures of one's own interpretation, but men moved by the Spirit spoke from God. We see that. Yet sadly, with Solomon and with us too, uh, he disobeyed. And he gathered many foreign wives, and they turned his heart away. Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah talks about this in 26. He says, did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin regarding these things? Yet among the many nations, there was no one like him. He was loved by the Lord his God and made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, the foreign wives caused him even to sin. Now, on a side note, if you think you're immune to sinning because you're pretty smart, you might find yourself in a bad position. 
You see, Solomon was the wisest man who ever walked the earth. And yet his wisdom didn't protect him from disobeying God because you have to fear the Lord, as we'll see. You see, he had great wisdom, and we can gain great knowledge from Scripture, but we need to fear the Lord. And Psalm will say at the end of Ecclesiastes, when all is said and done, fear God. Fear God, right? Keep his commands, so that applies to everyone. And so Solomon, uh, he messed up. We see in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. Now that was, that was prophesied that that would happen. If you do that, you're going to get your heart turned away. And folks, we know that bad company corrupts good morals. God says that. If you hang out with non-believers, not saying your acquaintance and sharing the gospel, I'm talking about hanging out, they're your buds. I'm talking about the companion of fools, Solomon writes in Proverbs, will suffer harm. They will turn your heart away from the Lord. No matter how smart you are, no matter how wise you are, if you think you are smarter than Solomon, then go do it. But even Solomon, the wisest man in the world, uh, did uh, fell in this context. Yet we know Solomon did write and arrange many Proverbs, and he wrote the book of Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1 for a moment. It's okay if it's your grandson or granddaughter. <laughs> I'm looking at my son there. But your granddaughter. <laughs> okay, Proverbs chapter 1. Um, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. Now, the term proverbs uh, or a proverb, uh, the word means to be comparable or to be like. That's what it means. And a proverb is a comparison between things that reveal profound truth and wisdom concerning life based on the fear of the Lord. And these can be found in the form, as we saw in verse 6 and 7, figures, riddles, and proverbs. Now, thus, this is my definition of a proverb. Thus, a proverb is an inspired statement, figure of speech, riddle from God, that uses comparison to present his wisdom and instruction concerning life in the midst of a sinful world, and this wisdom reproves, disciplines, and instructs those who seek it in the context of the fear of him. That's what a proverb is. So with that in mind, we're going to see today the blessing of trusting Christ and keeping his word. The blessing of trusting Christ and keeping his word. Again, Proverbs chapter 3. And I think this is appropriate as we begin a new year to get our lives recentered, get our lives uh, back on track. Uh, we as believers can get off track. We can let things get in the way. We can get distracted. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole chapter initially. Usually I would read the whole scripture before we study it, but I'm going to read each piece as we go through it. So first of all, we're going to see how we can be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? I think you ask anyone, no matter who they are, do you want to be blessed? They'll say, yeah. Well, this is a blessing of God. If you want to be blessed, here is how. 
Verse 1 of chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Notice, first of all, we're commanded to do two things. We're commanded, first of all, not to forget my teaching, he says. This is Solomon, my son. Obviously, it's to one of his sons. We don't know which one. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, we know some of his sons didn't do too well. They didn't listen to this. And so we better listen, right? You can have all the word in the world. You can have everything. You can have a great family. You can have everything you need. But if you don't pay attention, you don't listen, you will suffer. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. This first command is emphatic. In in Hebrew, the way Hebrew sentences are structured, you have verb, subject, object. And when the object is placed first, it is emphatic. My son, teaching. Teaching. Don't forget it. Don't forget teaching, my son. And it's his teaching. Solomon says it's his teaching. But whose teaching is it ultimately? We saw this earlier in Ecclesiastes. Let's go there again, Ecclesiastes 12. Whose teaching is it? Well, it's almost as my teaching. We read part of this earlier. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 9. This is after all is said and done, by the way. You know, all said and done, everything's vanity. You know, and when you get old, everything's going to fall apart. You're going to die. You better seek the Lord while you're young. Okay? And then he kind of sums it all up at this point. In addition to being a wise man, verse 9, the preacher also taught the people knowledge and pondered and searched and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads and masters of these collections and are like well-driven nails. They are all given by one shepherd. It is the Lord who gave Solomon the word to give to his son. We see it very clearly in Proverbs chapter 2. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. We're going to have a lot in Proverbs today. Your Proverbs are going to get worn out in your Bible today. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you'll receive my sayings, treasure us. Again, he's saying, my son, my sayings, right? Treasure my commands within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Hey, you need to want it. For if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord, and discover the knowledge of God. And look at this. He said, my commands, right? But now look at this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. God is the one who brings forth wisdom. It is God's word that Solomon was bringing forth. It is God's word he was bringing forth. It comes from his mouth. So back here in our passage says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Or teaching, don't forget it. Teaching, don't forget it. And then notice in parallel, but let your heart keep my commands. These are imperative commands. Let your heart grab on to, watch on, hold to, let it keep it. Let it pay attention to it. Give attention to it. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. We're to pay attention. We're to pay attention. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, 
the instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain and understand. Hey, teach your children the word of God too, by the way. You better. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. Hey, you can grab it, you can hold it, you can hold on to it, or you can say goodbye. You can abandon it. When I was a son to my father, tender only the side of my mother, it's talking about Solomon with David, right? Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. That's a good dad. Acquire wisdom and understand, and understanding. do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Don't forget, don't forsake. Don't forget, don't forsake. And you can keep reading on. Then look down at verse 20. My son, give attention. We give attention to the things that we value, right? We do. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. We need to keep his word in our hearts. Don't forget. Pay attention. Keep it in the midst of your heart. And the only way we can do this is to be in the word. Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor send in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And we see here in this context, and he will be like a tree firmly planted in by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does he prospers. He meditates on it day and night. He's got it running through his head. And did you notice the word, do not forget my what? Teaching. It's not simply just reading the word. We've got to read the word, but we need to be taught. God has ordained that we are taught the word of God. We are to be in a place where we're taught the word of God. We're to be assembled. We're to allow pastors and teachers to, to equip us that we would be fully equipped. We're to be taught the word of God by those who are yielded to the Spirit of God, bringing forth the Word of God, that we might be changed. It is the Word of God that we are to be taught, not some stories or kitty Bible lessons. We are to be taught the Word of God. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. The very first thing. The very first thing. And he goes on, chapter 4, I saw me charged in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is still judged the living and the dead by his appearing in kingdom. Preach the word, he's telling Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come, and it's here, by the way. It's here. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers after their own desires and will turn aside away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths or stories. Don't forget his teaching. It's the teaching of the word of God. Don't forget, if you're not in a church where you're being taught the word of God, it's kind of hard to forget something you don't have, right? You gotta start there, right? The assumption is you're being fed the word of God. The assumption is you're actually hearing and being taught the word of God. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep or hold on my commandments. Are you in the word of God? How can you forget his teaching if you're not being taught? You don't even have his teaching. We need to be taught the word of God. And what type of church you're in will reveal where your heart is towards the word of God. Don't forget it, but keep it. And we'll see this. We need to keep it in our hearts. Don't forget it. 
you know, we need to be in a good church, but we also need to be focusing on it ourselves. You know, I'm not saying this to be legalistic or anything, but I tell my family, I tell this church, when you get up in the morning, don't go in your phones unless you're going to go in your Bible. Read the Word first, then go to whatever news or whatever and look at all that stuff. Forget that. Get in the Word of God first. The first thing you do, get your heart straight. It's so easy to get going in the day without the Lord. I'm not saying to do this legalistically. I'm saying this from a heart that is changed and desires to be in the Word of God. Don't forget it, but keep it. Don't forget what I say today, but keep it in your heart. So my son, don't forget teaching. And notice, there's a blessed result to this. For length of days, verse 2, and years of life and peace, they shall be added to you. Wow. You got all these people saying, hey, you know, do this and this. You'll have length of days. Try this serum. Try this pill. Whatever it is, you'll have length of days. You'll have peace if you do this, right? Well, the peace the world gives is not God's peace at all. God's peace comes from God. And he says here, hey, by and large, you're going to live in this Proverbs, right? They're short comparisons that bring truth in the midst of a wicked world, right? By and large, you're in the word of God. You're holding it in your heart. You're not letting it go. You're going to live longer. You're going to live long. Now, certainly there are, there, are, there are things that happen that are different. God numbers our days. But this is basically what it says. And peace or shalom. I don't really say shalom, but shalom. They will add to you. You know, the scripture is clear. There's no peace for the wicked, says my God. If you're lacking peace, if you want true peace, you need to be in God's word. Not legalistically, but from a heart that desires it. From a heart that desires it. Don't let it leave you. Do not forget or forsake his teaching. Don't forget it or don't set it aside. But hold it in your heart. And they're going to add peace and life. Our, our, I think our hearts are kind of like cups. They've got holes in them. You've got to keep pouring the word in there because it just goes right out because there's so much other stuff. We've got to renew our minds. We need to make the decision not to be conformed to this world, but transform. Make that decision. Are you lacking peace these days? You want true life? You want true peace? Get into God's word. Put it in your heart and keep it there. Don't forget it. That means, we'll see in a minute what the heart means. Run it around in your head. And there's a promise. My son, do not forget my teaching. It means you've got to be taught. Don't forget it. But let your heart keep my commandments. Hold on to them. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's what God says. Peace and life. Look back at Proverbs 4 again. Proverbs 4, and I want to go down to verse 20. This is so important. Because God's word is life. Peter said to the Lord, you got the words of life, where are we going to go? Proverbs 4.20 My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saints. We give attention to a lot of stuff. Give your attention to the word of God. You need to make the decision. It needs to be valuable in your heart. Incline your ear to my saints. Do not let them depart from your sight. Don't let them go. Keep them in, in the midst of your heart. For they are what? Life to those who find them and health to the, all, to all their whole body. We'll see that in a minute. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Hey, what's that saying? It's not just watch over for bad and good thoughts. It's saying watch over to make sure you don't let God's word leave. That's the context. Keep your word in the heart and then watch over it with all diligence. Watch over your heart. What is happening in your heart? What's going on in your mind? For from it flow the springs of life. Hey, the life comes through the truth of God, from the God of the truth who gives us life. 
Put away a deceitful mouth and deceivious lips from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Watch over your heart. Don't let it go away. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And guess what? When we do this, when we keep his word in our hearts, obviously we're going to have peace in life. There's something else we're going to see. Look at verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Back in Proverbs 3. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. We have uh, two parallel imperative commands here. First, do not let kindness and truth leave you. The term kindness here comes from the Hebrew word chesed. It speaks of loving kindness or unchanging loyal love. Don't let it leave you. Okay, now what's he talking about? Well, we know we can see what it is when we look at what God has done. Just look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, you have, uh, speaks about God's loyal love to us. Psalm 103, verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Praise the Lord for that. Nor rewarded us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We see here that it is the demeanor or characteristic that comes from the word working in us. It's God's loving kindness, first of all, that, that he reveals in loving us and having his son die for our sins. It's that demeanor of compassion and love that God has for us. But here it says, don't let kindness and truth leave you. It's in parallel. I think it's that which God does through the word working in the heart. Don't let it leave you. Don't let it leave you. Proverbs 19.22, what is desirable in a man is his loving kindness or hesed. It's God's character in you. When it leaves you, guess what? God's truth's gone too. Indeed, we forget the word on a practical basis. We're no longer going to walk in the context of his character. So then thinking in reverse, when we're not loving, kind, uh, we need to get in his word so that our hearts will reflect his character. If you find yourself in that manner, then maybe his word has been forgotten or forsaken. Certainly like that at times. We get that way. Find ourselves not loving, kind of realize, oh man, this is just me in the flesh. Right? We've got to get back in the word of God. So notice what's in parallel with loving kindness. Do not let loving kindness or truth leave you. God's truth, as we see, is not all, people say, all truth is God's truth. Well, that's not true. God gives us his inspired truth. They're talking about truth that they've reinterpreted through man's eyes. No, we have God's truth from the word of God, which then interprets everything. That's the truth. So I'm going to read some passages for you. Psalm 119.43, the writer writes, Do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. It's the word of truth. Psalm 119.142, The righteousness, thy righteousness is everlasting righteousness, the everlasting righteousness, and thy law is truth. Psalm 119.160, The sum of thy word is truth. The sum of thy word is truth. Proverbs 21.28, a false witness will perish, but he who listens to the truth will speak forever. Proverbs 23.23, by truth, or not not by truth, but by truth, like purchase it, figuratively speaking, and don't sell it. Get wisdom and instruction. 
We saw already in Ecclesiastes 12, the preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, this is the real Lord's Prayer, John 17, by the way. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. The truth is the word of God. Don't let it leave you. Don't let his character and his word leave you. Don't let it leave you. And he says, bind it around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. What's he talking about? How do I write God's word on the tablet of my heart? How do I bind it around my neck? What's the heart? When Solomon says the heart, what is he talking about? Now, the term lev is the word translated heart from the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, cardia, it spoke of the inner man, the inner self. It spoke of the source and functions of the soul and spirit, emotional life, volition and rational life. The heart and mind are seen in Scripture as synonymous. You know, often we say it got to his, got to his mind, but didn't get to his heart. Well, no, it never got to his heart. It never really penetrated his mind rightly, okay? We see in Scripture that the heart and mind are synonymous. Synonymous. Let me share some passages. Psalm 7, verse 9, Oh, let the wicked, evil of the wicked come to an end. Amen. But establish the righteous. For the Lord, for the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. Revelation 2.23, and this is Lord Jesus giving his condemnation. He says, I will kill her with pestilence and all the churches will know. Speaking of the Jezebel who searches, that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses comprehension shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then actually 2 Corinthians 3, and I'll read this for you, verse 14, but their minds, speaking of the Jews, were hardened until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant and the same veil remains because it is removed in Christ but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Mind's heart and veil over the heart. Hebrews chapter 8 and the reiteration of this new covenant says, I'll put my law in their minds, I'll write it upon their hearts. Your mind is, the, is who you are, what you think. You are what you think. You say, you are what you eat. Well, that's maybe true, but you are what you, you, are what you eat. You are what you think. You are what you think. James one twenty six. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, does not bridle his tongue, deceives his he deceives his own heart. You see, our heart is who we are. It's our mind. It's our thinking. It's our it's our it's what runs through our heads. And he says here, bind them around your neck. Write them on top of the heart. Now, this is figurative. This is a promise. Those who don't have the Spirit of God, who don't have a relationship with the Lord, who are religious, always do things literally. They write little verses on their phylacteries. They do all these things. They have, they have verses everywhere. They're binding it on their heart. No, they're not. It's everywhere around them, but it's not in their heart. It's great if you got Bible verses around, but they need to get in your heart and on your mind. That's what it's talking about. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's figurative. Get it on your heart. And keep it on your heart. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word I have treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Get into the word of God and let it stick there. 
Now, sin is what keeps it from sticking, by the way. If you got unconfessed sin, you could hear his word all day long. You walk out, you forget what you heard. You forget who you are. You forget how it convicted you. Get clean and get it on your heart. You got to have a heart that has been redeemed. The new covenant, I'll write my law on their hearts. When you've been redeemed, you have the spirit of God and he can put his word on your heart. Now, if you're receptive, keep it there. Keep it there. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Delight on it. Meditate on it day and night. Psalm 1. So then, back in our passage, uh, chapter 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they'll add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and then notice the result. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Here's a result. Here we see that keeping his word on our hearts, we're going to find something. So you will find two things, favor and good repute. Now the term favor, hand, means grace. It's grace. The term repute here means understanding. You might have in your NASBs a note that says literally understanding. Now because it says good understanding in the sight of God and man, they've translated it like reputation. They see the sight from the wrong direction, I believe. I believe it's actually going to cause you to do what is right, to have favor from God and to understand man rightly and be in relationships rightly in the context where thus they will understand you. Grace and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Basically, you're going to be right with God and right before men. Maybe not from their perspective, but from God's perspective, you'll be right. You'll be right before God, you'll receive his grace, and you will be right or have a good understanding discernment before men. You're going to be right in your relationships as you walk around this evil, wicked, sinful world. If you, Therefore, if you don't keep his word in your heart, you're not going to find grace for your life, and you're going to be messed up in relationship to man. Okay? Let me ask you this. Do you always have problems with everyone around you? Always. Could this be the reason? Confess and get his word in your heart. Don't forget it. Don't forget his teaching. We need to keep his word in our hearts because unless we do so, our relationship with God is not right, and with man it won't be right. So then we need to trust the Lord as we'll say and obey him and abide in him. Notice this. We need to trust the Lord with all of our heart. It's not just simply the word. It's not simply the word on a, on a card. You know, it is a real relationship with the Lord in which his word is working in our hearts. Look at verse five. This is all connected. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and do not lean on all your understanding. Say that again. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Everybody knows this, but do we really think about it? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. That's an infomercial, right? You want refreshment and healing to your body? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? That's the key. Here we're commanded to trust the Lord, to trust in him. It speaks of a personal relationship of faith in the Lord. 
the Lord, the great I am. When it's in your Old Testament, in large caps, it speaks of Yahweh. That's the verb to be, I am. It speaks of the self-existent one. When Moses was talking to the Lord, he said, what shall I tell the Israelites your name? He says, uh, Yahweh, Asher, Yahweh, I am who I am. The self-existent one. Jesus Christ is the great I am. Speaking of personal faith, it's one thing to believe the word. You've got to believe the God of the word. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. There you go. That's what's, that's the negative. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see prosperity when it comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt when without habitant, inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. There you go. And whose trust is the Lord. It's a personal relationship of faith. It's abiding in Jesus Christ. It is relying on him. It is trusting personally in the Lord. You can have his word in you all day long, but if you don't trust in him, it's, he's not going to function through you. Got to trust in him. Got to trust in him. It says here, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Notice the qualification. Not just a little trust. I trust Jesus here. Trust Jesus here. Trust him here, but I got this covered. Now it's just a little trust. He says here, with all your heart, your entire being, every thought. You can't have one thought that's not trusting him and another one that is. We can do that pretty easily, can't we? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We are to put no weight on our own understanding. Not even to lean on it. I am to lean on it. Trust with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. The term understanding means from in Hebrew, bin, perception, uh, understanding. We're not to put any weight on our own perception, on our own understanding. And guess what? We have our own understanding and perception about everything and everybody. We got a whole thing of it about everything and everybody. It's there. We own that. But we are not to trust in it or put any weight on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not. You know, when you tell your child, do not do that, you're giving them a command for their good. God is saying, don't do it. And if you do do it, you're sinning. We're sinning. Do not put any weight or lean on your own understanding. The Lord wants us to be holy, with an H, and also WH, holy, devoted to Him. He wants us to be devoted to Him completely. Let me share a couple passages. First Chronicles 28.9, David shares to Solomon. Interesting, huh? He says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father, and serve Him with a whole heart and willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, and he, understanding, and he understands the intent of the thoughts. Hearts and thoughts, right? Same thing. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house, a sanctuary. Be courageous and act. 
a whole heart. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon says this, Let your heart therefore be wholly devoted to the Lord your God. And he says, qualifies, to walk in his statutes, keep his commandments as at this day. First Chronicles 29.29, 29, The people then rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they had made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. There's joy when that happens, by the way. And King David also rejoiced greatly. A whole heart. Not a divided heart, divided with my understanding that I'm kind of holding on to. And then here's what God says. You've got to give it up and say, I'm trusting you. It's faith. It's faith. Now, by the way, the Lord does not speak well of the double-minded. He doesn't uh, when it comes to trust. Let me share a couple passages. Psalm 119, 113. Um, the psalmist writes, I hate those who are double-minded. Inspired by the Spirit. But I love thy law. First Kings 11, this is speaking of Solomon's double-mindedness when he started to hang out with the foreign chicks, the bad ladies, all right? Not good, not good. It says that he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to other gods. His heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord. Divided heart. What about James chapter 1? You know, uh, when we go on trials, you know, we need to understand knowing that he's using them to, to make us complete, you know, to make us like Christ. But if we lack wisdom, he says something. But if anyone lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the sea, surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You don't doubt because it's based on the character of God. It's who he is. You don't doubt him. You trust him. You trust in him. It says the one who doubts here is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord, because being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You are unstable if you are double-minded. If your heart is not holy, it's nothing worse than being a Christian who's half-hearted. You want to see a miserable Christian that's got trouble all the time, everywhere? There you go. What should we do if we're double-minded? Because we all step into those places at times. We all do. What should we do? James 4 has the answer. He gives a greater grace. Verse 6, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God, because when you're not, when you don't mind, you're not submitting, you're not believing him. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, let your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourself, I blew it. I have not been trusting you, Lord. Forgive me. So then, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean your understanding. Whole heart. Uh, you see, man thinks everything's his way is going to work out right. There's a way which seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. We're not to lean on our own understanding. Don't do it. So many Christians, they, they trust the Lord. They say they trust the Lord. And then they see about normal decisions in life and they're leaning on our understanding. What are you doing? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Let me share some verses about trust. 
Psalm 4, 5, offer sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him also. Trust in him and he will do it. You gotta be in the word to buttress your faith. By the way, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ, right? Psalm 92, 91 verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and strength, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 115, 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is, um, their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Trust in the Lord, right? Psalm 125, a psalm of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. You ever see someone who's firm and strong in the Lord? They're not strong in themselves. They trust the Lord. They trust the Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord God, God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. Psalm 40, verse 4, how blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, who has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse in falsehood. Trust on, you're blessed. You're blessed. But there's some warnings if you don't trust. Isaiah 31, verse 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they're many. That's leaning on your understanding, by the way. And in horsemen because they're very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Woe. I read this earlier. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 You're cursed if you turn away and trust in yourself and other people and men, mankind. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. So then, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean your understanding. And then notice what he says. It's in every circumstance and situation. In all your ways... Acknowledge him. In everything you do, everything, acknowledge him. All your ways. Your ways is the way you live, your walk. It's what you do. It's the direction you go. It's your daily walk. He says here, acknowledge him. It comes from the word to know, yada in Hebrew. When they say yada, 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 they're actually saying no, 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 in terms of the K-N-O-W, right? (laughs) Not yada. It means to know. In this context, it means to know him. It speaks of relationship and mental awareness, acknowledging. To acknowledge someone is to, to, to know them in a sense, to, to acknowledge, right? Acknowledge the Lord in everything you do. Acknowledge him. That means make him part of everything you do. Trust him in everything. In everything you do. In all your ways. Acknowledge him, all your ways. Maybe this is where you are stuck. Make the Lord part of everything. Trust him in everything. Let me illustrate. Proverbs 16.1. These verses are always taken out of context, but they're helpful. Turn up to Proverbs 16.1. Remember, these are statements of uh, truth by comparison. In the context of... Uh, of walking rightly in the midst of an evil world. They're figures and riddles and parables and Proverbs. Proverbs 16.1, the plans of the heart belong to man. Just stop right there. Everything you plan in your heart, that's yours. 
okay, I'm going to plan, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, whatever it's going to be. That belongs to me. That's mine. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. When you pray about it, then the answer comes from him. You take those plans and you acknowledge him and you pray about it. The answer is now from him. It was your plan, but you acknowledged it. You gave it to him. It's his plan, and he will, as we'll see, direct your paths. Proverbs 16:9. the mind of man plans this way. Now, this is implying you're praying, verse 1. It's not just saying, I'm going to plan my way, and I know he'll direct my paths. I'm just going to do my own thing. That's not what it's saying. This is planning your way in the context of acknowledging him, chapter 3. This is planning your way in the context of praying about it and giving it to him. That's what it is. But the Lord directs the steps. The Lord directs your steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Maybe there's some ways that are not being acknowledged. You don't know him in those ways. He's not part of it at all. You just do it on yourself. You need to confess. He's a gracious God. He'll forgive you. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And then notice the promise back in our passage, verse uh, 6 in the end, and he will make your path straight. We think we're going straight, we're all crooked. We think we're going the right way, we get all messed up. It gets perverted and crooked and messed up, but if we acknowledge God and everything, he will make your path straight. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. There's not much guaranteed in this life, but what God says is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Know him in all your ways, and he'll guide you. So looking for work? Know him in everything you do. Working for work? Know him in everything you do. Going to school? Know him in everything you do. Raising children? Know him in everything you do. Going on vacation? Know him on everything you do. Know him in everything. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Now notice we have some further related commands and a promise here. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. The command, do not. Remember, tell your kids when they're older, do not. You're saying it for their good. It's a command. There's a consequence if you, if you don't do it, right? If you disobey, do not be wise in your own eyes. This is man's problem. Man is wise in his own eyes. Some Proverbs Psalm will share about this. He shares in Proverbs twenty six sixteen, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give this great answer. I remember a guy who was so lazy, but yet when you talk to him about it, he's so smart. Sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give this great answer. Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to counsel. And that's biblical counsel, by the way. Proverbs 21, 2. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 14, 12. And it's repeated, by the way. 16, 25. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Man thinks it's the right way. It's the death way. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you've got it figured out. The minute you start patting yourself on the back for how smart you are and how you figured it out or whatever it is, you're in trouble. Do not be wise 
in your own eyes. You see, because all wisdom comes from God. Reject your wisdom and accept His. Reject your wisdom and accept His. And notice, associated with this is the fear of the Lord. You've got to deal with sin. You've got to be in His Word. You've got to trust the Lord. You've got to reject your wisdom. And you need to fear the Lord. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The term fear, yare, it means uh, to be afraid in some context. It means to fear. In Exodus 20, 20, we don't have time to read it. You can read it another time. The Israels were shaking in their boots, the Israelites, because of the, the, all the noise and stuff on the mountain. And uh, they were shaking and fearful and afraid. And then Moses said, hey, don't be afraid. Uh, don't fear. For the Lord has come to test you that you wouldn't sin. That you would be fearful of sinning. And I'll read that. He says, um, Exodus 20, 20, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that you, the fear of him may remain on you. There you go. So that you may not sin. Don't be afraid, but fear so that you wouldn't sin. You see, the fear of the Lord comes when we are forgiven. It is forgiveness, Psalm 130, that causes us to fear him. We didn't fear God. There's no fear before their eyes for those who don't know the Lord. And when we came to relationship with the Lord, we began to be aware of him and to fear him and to see him rightly. And our fear is that we wouldn't uh, cause uh, grief to him, that we wouldn't dishonor him, we wouldn't sin against him, and we wouldn't be disciplined. Certainly we get fearful of discipline too, right? You know, I don't want to get, get spanked for doing bad because I don't want to do bad, right? We fear the Lord. We fear the Lord. It's not a fair punishment, but of his displeasure, grief, and even discipline. The recognition of our sinfulness and God's right to judge and his great forgiveness causes us to see him rightly. We reverence him. First Peter 1.17, we're to conduct ourselves in fear during our time standing on the earth because the Father's the judge, and we've escaped judgment through Jesus Christ who shed his blood for us. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because of what God has done for us. We need to take sin a little more seriously. You take your bad attitudes a little more seriously. You take your bad thoughts, lustful thoughts a little more seriously. Take a little more seriously. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. We've been forgiven that we could walk rightly before him, fearing and reverencing our creator. You see, he says here, fear the Lord, and then those that say, turn away from evil. We've got evil all around us. It's on the inside, too. We're, we're redeemed, but our body of flesh, we got this body of death. we got bad thoughts tempting us from our flesh, from other things. Turn away from it. When you think of something, it's there. You turn away. Turn away from that bad reaction and go to the Lord and help him react right, help you react rightly. Turn away from those thoughts which are ungodly. No, Lord, forgive me. Or if you're tempted, turn away. God will provide the way of escape. Turn away from evil. You can trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can have his word everywhere. When you're not turned from evil, forget it. Forget it. And notice, it will be healing to your body and refreshing to your bones. There's another infomercial. You want to grow old and have a healed body and refresh to your bones? Turn away from evil, right? In the context of trusting the Lord. It's true. It's true. The term healing here speaks of healing. The term refreshment speaks of drink. So you get something that's parched, having a drink. Ooh, that's good. Right? Refreshment. Refreshment to your bones. 
You know, sin does affect us physically. David, uh, his inspired testimony, says it very clearly. When I kept silent about my sin, Psalm 32, my body wasted away. Messes up your body. Not all physical issues are because of sin. Look at Job. But yet some are. Look at David. You see, um, when we are not wise in our own eyes, when we fear the Lord and turn from evil in the context of trusting and having his word in our hearts, it's going to be healing. It's going to be healing and refreshment to your bones. Some of you need healing. Some of you need refreshment. Would you examine if you've trusted the Lord with a whole heart? If you've been turning from evil things and fearing him, would you examine that? Just confess and be restored and refreshed. So then, we're not to forget his word. We're to put it on our hearts. We're not to lean on our understanding. We're to trust the Lord wholeheartedly. We're to acknowledge him in all our ways. And we're to walk in reverent fear, and that will bring peace, healing, and refreshment. That's good for the new year, isn't it? It sure is. How are you doing? Well, we're basically out of time. So let me just summarize what's left. What's left, I really believe, are two parts. One, the evidence of faith and fear, and then uh, a summary about the blessing. I don't have time to go through this, but let me share this. Uh, verse 9, you say, where does this come from? Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce so that your barns be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. You're not going to honor him with your wealth and tell you he's everything, right? You acknowledge him in everything. When he's everything, then your money is actually his money. And you're going to honor him with it. You're going to honor him. Honor the Lord with the first, not the last. This is speaking about giving in the context of the body of Christ. Honor him. You see... Where your heart is in relationship to money is going to show you where your heart is in relationship with the Lord. It really is. You can't love two things. So that your barns will be filled with plenty. Well, I can't have my barn filled if I'm honoring the Lord. Well, that's not true. If you trust the Lord and you give him the best and the first, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. And your vats will overflow with new wine. You can look at Second Corinthians 9, but man, he uses it to bring thanksgiving to himself. He uses it to bless those who are in need. He uses it to bring glory to himself. He loves a cheerful giver. Galatians 6, you're to, you're to give to those who, who feed you the word of God, it says. It says, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. Right? It's a heart attitude. It's an evidence of faith and fear when you honor the Lord with what is most valuable to mankind, which is money. You're trusting him. You're trusting him. And then there's another area which I can't go into in of time today, but you're also going to accept his discipline. When you faith, okay, stuff happens. Okay, I, I see that he is a God who loves me. Look at verse 11. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. reproof. Reject speaks of not accepting. In Hebrews 12.25, it's quoted, do not regard lightly. It means when God lets difficult stuff happen, you don't push it aside thinking it's nothing. No, it's something. God is working his holiness in you. He's working on you. He's got an area he's got to weed out. Job didn't sin, but God disciplined him to cause him to see an area he needed to work on, right? Just like us. You may walk with the Lord, bad stuff happens. God's going to use it to train your heart that you might share in his holiness. Don't reject it. Don't regard it lightly. Don't take it lightly, or we're not to loathe his reproof. And Hebrews 12, 6 says this way, nor faint when you're reproved. 
stuff happens to you, ah, right? Don't do that. Lord, I don't like what's happening to me. Help me see how you're training me. Help me see how you're making me like your son, Jesus. Help me see that. Help me see it rightly. That's an evidence of faith and fear. If you're seeing your circumstances in a different way, because you're trusting the Lord. He's promised to make your path straight. You're trusting him and something bad's happening. Okay, that means he's working on me. Maybe I haven't sinned, but maybe he's working on me to grow me up. I'm going to see it rightly. I'm going to see it rightly. Don't faint when you're approved. So then, lastly, notice the blessed result. The blessed result. We'll just read this together. Verse 13, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. You found it, you gained it. For its profit is better than the profit of silver and its gain is better than fine gold. It's better than anything valuable in this world. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. You want to be happy? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't forget his word. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. You want to be happy? There's your. There's what we do. It's all summed up in a relationship with the Lord. Trust him. So let me ask you this. Are you being taught? Don't forget it. If you're not being taught, get and be taught, but don't forget it. Hold fast his word. Get it on your heart. Run it through your heart. Every circumstance, God's word is working in your heart. Be a man or woman of God. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Confess when you fail. We'll fail. Confess when you forget. We'll forget. But don't. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful passage and what a wonderful reminder for this new year. Lord, help us not to forget what we have been taught today. Help us to write it on the tablet of our hearts. May you do that, Lord God. May we be those who trust you completely. May we be those who fear you. May we be those who turn from evil, Lord God. May we not lean on our own understanding. May we, may we not do that. Lord, when we are tempted to do so, prompt us with your word that we would turn from that evil. Lord, help us to trust you with all our heart. Lord, thank you for your son Jesus in whom we trust. And it is his name we pray.